It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. You know, Rich, uh, is there any time of the year or a person's whole lifetime when tradition and family uh, gatherings and whatever you do and whatever day you do it, even the food you eat, uh, more than Christmas. Isn't that interesting? Here in America. Here in America. By the way, Christmas, folks, is a legal holiday. So if they say we don't want to, talk, we don't want to mention Christmas, we'll just say winter holiday or we'll just say happy holidays. Like, Christmas is a legal holiday in America. But getting back to my, my original statement, is there any time um, similar to Christmas where families follow the tradition of what they do and how they do it. Well, probably not. Like that song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year in terms of our overall cultural uh, celebration. But for Christians, it has especially significant meaning because we're celebrating the birth of Christ that was sent to earth to redeem mankind. Yeah. And it is. It's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why they call it Christmas. I want to belabor that point to really make it uh, C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S, Christmas. That's the birth of Christ. And recognized all over the world, but in America, it's a legal holiday because that's what it is. Right. Now, for those people living in the greater Kansas City area, and let me come down a little closer, folks, for those people listening in the Shawnee Mission School District area, if you're a parent and you're a taxpayer— and you have any interest in the Shawnee Mission uh, School District, why uh, do you know that the school has kind of banned Christmas? I mean, um, our, our friend Mark Ellis, well, we've known Mark Ellis for a long time. He's a parent there. And when he found out that they had taken the word Christmas out of their vernacular at school and not recognizing it, not acknowledging it, or anything of that sort, why he sent a letter last August to, uh, to the superintendent, which was not answered. And uh, he talked to some of the others, you know, and just kind of got stiff. So he put out a press release on it, and I heard him interviewed on one of the other radio stations in the Kansas City area about this issue. Now, they're having a school board meeting uh, tonight. Uh, this broadcast being aired Monday night. And uh, where is that meeting? Yes, that's tonight, the Shawnee Mission School Board meeting, and they have it at the McEachin Administrative Center. That's 72nd and Antioch, 7235 Antioch in Overland Park. Starts at 7.30 p.m. 72nd, that's 72nd Street in Antioch in Overland Park. Well, if you're a patron, I hear um, hear some of the announcements that they call patron. If you're a patron of that school district, and I'd like to say if you're a Mm. parent, if you're a father or you're a mother or you're a taxpayer and you think maybe that the school district ought to acknowledge Christmas, for heaven's sake. Uh, and I understand that Andrew Yates even sent a letter to the governor to see if there's anything in the state of Kansas which would prohibit a school district from acknowledging Christmas. I think Mark Ellis did that. Well, he did. That's yes. right. And, and, and the governor's office wrote back and said, not at all, not at all. Listen to me, It's folks. up to the local Not community. Now, here is Charlie Brown, for goodness sake, talking about Christmas. Now, before we, before we let you listen to this, folks, remember, this is Christmas. And here's old Charlie Brown in the cartoon talking about exactly what it is. And this is exactly what the school district and Shawnee Mission School District will not allow to be acknowledged. Here it is. 
I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Yeah, and that, Rich, before we go on with the broadcast, and I know people listening all the way from Indiana clear down to Texas right now and clear out to California listening to this broadcast, but we're talking now to the Shawnee Mission School District in the Kansas City area, and when is that meeting, that school board meeting? Uh, 7.30 tonight. Tonight. 7235 Antioch, Shawnee Mission School Board meeting, McEachin Administrative Center. Now, however you feel about it, go and, go and voice what you feel. You know, it's interesting, and they're not just taking Christ out of Christmas, they're taking Christmas out of Christmas. <laughs> well, isn't that something? And they're replacing it with the idea of a winter holiday, which is really ironic because the root of holiday is Holy Day, and what what is it that makes it Holy Day if it's not Christ? Yeah. Listen, now, a tradition. We started off this broadcast talking about, and in our family and in our way of things for many years, the Williams family have always come by for years. Now, you know, I don't know whether that was 10 years in a row or something like that, but Matt and Donna Williams are friends of ours, great, wonderful people, and they would come by our house and they had the little kids, and they would sing. They would sing a song. I don't know. I think they did that on Christmas Eve or maybe maybe a night or two before that. And we got to just enjoy it and look forward to it. Uh, it, was, it was really wonderful. Matt and Donna Williams, now they have grown older. I think, I'm not sure, but I think Matt, he's getting a little long in the tooth. I think I heard that he's now 70 years old. Wow. And uh, so his children have all grown up, and they're parents, and then their children. So those are Matt and Donna's grandchildren, and they came by last year, and they sang, and the little kids, one of them played a piano and sang, the whole family, and they stood in our living room, and they and they sang. And, Christmas and carols. Christmas carols. It was so wonderful because here was Matt and Donna Williams and their grown children, you see, just like they had done when they were little kids and now the grandkids. And it was just delightful. But they also brought us a book. Now, tell us about that. Book. Oh, this book. Uh, they gave us this gift. And I and want to tell folks, our listeners folks, about We're it. talking about something that happened a year ago and is still on our mind. This is 12 Stories of Christmas, Sharing the Smiles, Heart, and Hope of Christmas by Robert J. Morgan, and he's a pastor in the Nashville area, pastor of Donaldson Fellowship, but he, he, writes a, he writes a story, a special story for his congregation every Christmas, and it's a powerful collection. So this is a collection of 12 of them. But you used one of these stories last year, uh-huh. and you recorded it, and I want our listeners to hear it again this year. Here it is. I'm going to tell you a story just as my father told it to me 
before. I can still remember almost word for word how he related it to me on Christmas Eve, 1963. We just finished dinner, opened some presents, and put on our pajamas. Just before bedtime, as the last log was burning in the fireplace, I saw my dad walk over to the mantel. He took down the antique snow globe with its nativity scene and started the crank on the bottom. The little music box played Silent Night as snow swirled around Joseph, Mary, and the baby in the manger. My dad was lost in thought until the music ceased. Then he turned and he saw me watching him. I guess I looked at him quizzically because he went on to recite a little poem I've never heard before, as though he were explaining something to me. Silent, holy, calm, and bright. Jesus came to pierce the night. Jesus came to make things right. So be silent, holy, calm, and bright tonight. I didn't know what to make of it. So I did what most 12-year-olds would do. I, I asked questions. What do you mean, Dad? Where'd you get that old snow globe anyhow? Where'd it come from? Well, he sat right down in the floor. There in front of the fireplace with the snow globe resting in his lap, and he motioned for me. I sat down beside him. And he turned the thing over and showed me that it was stamped on the bottom, made in Germany, 1938. Then he put his arm around me, and this is what he said. Something interesting happened to me, son, when I was your age. When I was 12 years old, it was 1942. We were living in a little town called Evergreen, Pennsylvania, where my dad had a law practice. Well, that year was unusually busy, and my folks waited until the last possible day. December 24th, to do the gift buying. It was about mid-morning when we drove downtown, plunged into the crowds on Main Street, and did all our shopping in one giant trip. Of course, there wasn't much shopping to do back then. World War II was going on, and the things were hard to come by. That year, we just bought a few items for each other. My dad found a simple necklace for Mom. She bought him a tie and a pair of socks, and from the size of the package, I suspicioned that my gift was a new pair of shoes. We also found a red sweater for my grandma. We loaded those gifts into the trunk of our 1938 Buick, which we'd left in the town parking lot. Then we went to the corner market where we'd managed to find everything we'd need for Christmas dinner, a canned ham, the only kind available in those days, some cloves and spices, baking potatoes, beans and carrots, and then some flour, butter, eggs, sugar, and chocolate for a cake. I remember how relieved my mother was to find some of those staples. They were rationed because of the war, you see. After loading everything in the car, we walked down the street one more time and ate lunch at the Evergreen Cafe. You can imagine our surprise when we returned to the parking lot an hour later and could not find our car. It was gone, vanished, along with our presence and all of our food. Someone had stolen our vehicle, and with it, they'd taken our Christmas. We'd spent the afternoon in the police station, filling out reports, talking to the officers, and listening while they issued bulletins, but it was useless. No one had a clue what happened to our Buick. My folks were very distressed. The officers said they'd drive us home, but we said we'd just as soon walk as we only lived a few blocks away. By then it was late afternoon on Christmas Eve, and the snow was flurrying. So down the street we started, wondering how we were going to celebrate Christmas with no presents and no dinner. Most of the stores had closed and the shoppers were gone home. We passed the parking lot. It was empty. Almost. There, to our amazement, sat our car. It was on the opposite side of the parking lot. My parents looked at each other in confusion, and we all said things like, Are we losing our minds? Did we forget where we parked? I'm sure we parked over here. 
Who moved our car over there? We walked over to investigate. At first glance, it appeared that whoever had moved our car had also washed and cleaned it, for it looked newer and neater than before. But the thief had also cleaned out our gifts because when my dad opened the trunk, it was empty. We unlocked the doors, got in, and sat there like we were in a fog. Finally, my mom said, Thomas, this is not our car. No, said my dad, it isn't, is it? But it looks like it. He turned the key in the ignition, and the engine started. Well, in those days, the Detroit car makers had a limited number of keys and locks, and they were often interchangeable. I remember once my mother locked her keys in the car at school, and another teacher said, I own a Buick, too. Let's see if my keys fit your car. And it did. So that explained why the key worked, but it explained nothing else. My mom opened the glove compartment and found the registration. She said the car belongs to Alfreda Reinhardt, 508 Elm Street. I know her, said my dad. Well, at least I met her once. I think she's a bit daft. You know, not all there. Do you suppose she could have driven our car off by mistake? Well, I don't know, said mom. I've heard some ladies talking about her. It's a sad story. Alfreda is quite elderly. When she lived in Germany, her family was thrown into jail for opposing the National Socialists. She had a son, a daughter-in-law, a little grandson, a boy about 12 or so. Some kind of disease swept through the jail and the whole family died, except Alfreda. After she was released, she managed to leave Germany. Then she moved here to Evergreen, where her sister lived, over near the German Lutheran Church. When her sister died, Alfreda seemed to go senile. At least that's what they said in the beauty shop. Yes, and as I recall, she's deaf as a doornail, said my dad, and I guess that would explain things. Our cars look alike. The keys are interchangeable. She must have gotten in the wrong one by mistake. Let's go see. Well, this was turning into an exciting Christmas for me. A stolen car, an imprisoned family, a crazy old woman, and all our Christmas presents hanging in the balance. It was an adventure. So we drove off, and ten minutes later, we pulled into the driveway at 508 Elm Street. There was our car, all right, sitting in Mrs. Reinhardt's carport. We got out and peered in the car windows and opened the trunk. It was empty. We rang the doorbell, and presently a little hunched lady opened the door. Her hair was thin, white, and disheveled, which was also a description of her. An old pair of glasses sat crookedly on her nose. She wore a faded blue sweater, and seeing us, she burst into joyous smiles. Guten Abend, she cried. Guten Abend. Come in out of the cold. Come in out of the snow. Right on time you are. Right on time. We stepped into the house. It was rather dark and drafty, but a small fire was burning in the hearth, and a little tree sat in the corner. Underneath it were some presents that looked very much like the ones we had bought earlier in the day. We also got a whiff of supper. It smelled like hams with clove, with potatoes, carrots, beans, and cake. On the mantel, there was a snow globe nestled among some garland. I took it all in with a glance. Now give me your coat, Gunther, and you too, Elke, said the old woman. Oh, how wonderful to see you. Frau Reinhardt said my dad, clearing his throat. I've come to tell you we've got our cars mixed up. Mrs. Reinhardt seemed to have trouble understanding, so my dad expressed himself again. We've mixed up our cars. She looked perplexed. Was? she said. Our cars, said dad. Cigars? Ja, I have cigars. Would you like one? No, no, my father said quickly. You always liked cigars, Gunther, the woman said, shaking her head with a smile. I try to keep them for you, but after supper, not before, ja? No, no, my dad said. What I mean is, I think they're 
there's been some kind of mistake. Ja, of course, I have cake, too. No, Frau Reinhardt, my dad said a third time. I'm afraid you're confused. My name is Vicker, Thomas Vicker. Something about that seemed to distress the old woman. Alfreda Reinhardt stared at my dad incredulously, a haunting look on her face as if trying to comprehend. For some reason, we all sort of stopped breathing for a moment. Nine, she said. And again, my father said, Frau Reinhardt, my name is Thomas Vicker. Vicker. Nine, I have no liquor, she said. I have cigars and cake, but no liquor, only eggnog. My father was too flabbergasted to reply, but the atmosphere changed suddenly when the old woman, smiling, showing yellow, unkempt teeth. So good, she said. Your coat's bitten. It's warm in here. Let me take your coats. I've waited so long for you to get here, but I've waited all afternoon. You're going to stay, aren't you? Of course you are. You've come so far. She started tugging at our sleeves. I noticed how my parents looked at each other and seemed to react to a kind of an understanding. At any rate, they nodded to me, and we all unbuttoned our coats. Danka, said the old woman with a smile. She took my dad's coat and my mom's and laid them on the sofa, and that's when she spied me. I cannot describe the look that came into her eyes as she studied my face. Oh, Ollie, she said, hobbling near me. Her hand revealed a slight tremor as it reached out and caressed my hair. Oh, Ollie, it's been such a long time. Look at you. Look how you've grown. Her eyes filled with tears, and she pulled me into an embrace. She quivered with emotion, but when she released me, her face was glowing. Oh, Ollie, she said, I thought you would never, I would never see you again. Come over to your Oma and look at you, so happy, so strong, so big. You, you remind me of your Opa. Her wiry arms encircled me again, and I felt the kissing on top of my head. And I started to pull away, but I didn't. After one more, my Ollie, she turned abruptly and headed to the kitchen. Abravasten, all is ready, she said. Elke, help me set the table. My mom obligingly found some dishes in the cabinet while Frau while Fra Reinhardt pulled silverware from a drawer. And then out came the hams and beans and carrots along with the German potato salad and some sauerkraut. The meal wasn't exactly as my mom would have prepared it. It was sort of vinegary and mustardy, but it was good. I ate every bite except the kraut. All the while, Frau Reinhardt was talking half in German, half in English about family matters that didn't make any sense to me at all. Each of us tried to contribute to the conversation, but it seemed lost on the old woman. Her hearing was gone and her mind was nearly so, but her heart was warm and she kept the conversation flowing all by herself. She spoke of long-ago days, recalling happier times with Dietrich, her husband, I gathered, and her son, Gunther, who had apparently been a bookkeeper, and about his wife, Elke, Occasionally she said something that seemed funny to her, and she laughed and laughed, and we laughed along with her. All the while, she kept stealing glances in my direction, and whenever she did, her eyes sparkled. A couple of times I winked at her, and she seemed as delighted as a girl caught under the mistletoe. After the cake and coffee, the eggnog never showed up, we relocated to the parlor where Mrs. Reinhardt went right to the tree and started handing out gifts. There was a simple necklace for my mom, a tie and socks for my dad, a pair of new shoes for me. It was all great fun. Then my mother handed the last remaining package to the old woman. Frau Reinhardt opened the present and clutched the red sweater to herself with motions of delight. Oh, danke, danke, it's wunderbar, she said. But the most wonderful thing is to have you all here with me. Then she lowered her voice, almost to a whisper, and said, One night, in that awful place, I was so frightened, especially for Ollie. I'd forgotten what time of year it was. It was was so dark and dreadful. Everyone was so sick. And then from somewhere down the hall, I heard another prisoner singing, Silent Night, 
holy night. All is calm. All is bright. And I recalled that it was Christmas. And that night in the jail, I remembered a little poem we used to say on Christmas Eve. Silent, holy, calm, and bright. Jesus came to pierce the night. Jesus came to make things right. So be silent, holy, calm, and bright tonight. And that's when I, I knew that everything would be all right. Someday, somehow, someway, someplace, perhaps not now, but then, perhaps not here, but there. She was quiet for a moment, but the next thing I knew, she was on her feet again and heading to the fireplace. She picked up the snow globe from the mantel and shook it in our direction, saying, except for the clothes on my back, this is the only thing I brought out with me, out of Deutschland. She wound up the music and it played Silent Night. We listened and it seemed like music from far away and long ago. No one said anything for a long time. Then the old woman suddenly looked very tired and said, well, it's time for bed. Oh, I would have broken my heart for you not to have come. But here you are, and my Ollie has come to wish his Oma a fro Wietersching. God bless you for it, my grandson. I nodded the best I could. We rose, put on our coats, moved toward the door. Vait called the old woman. She picked up the globe and brought it to me. You must have this, Ollie, she said. This is the only thing I can give you from Deutschland, and you must take it so you'll always remember that God looked into our globe and saw our grief. We look into his manger and see his answer. Well, I looked at Dad, I looked at Mom, and she looked at me. I took the globe from the old woman's hands. I sat it on the floor and gave her the hardest hug I'd ever given anyone in my life. Then I picked it up carefully and ducked out the door, because no one wants to see a 12-year-old boy get the sniffles. I heard my parents exiting behind me, saying things like, Gut Nacht, and Auf Wiedersehen, and after exchanging cars in the carport, we drove home in silence. We visited Frau Reinhardt several times afterwards, but she didn't seem to know us. The spell was broken, and her mind was gone. Shortly afterward, a small item appeared in the local paper. Frau Alfreda Reinhardt, 88, formerly of Munich, died at her residence on Elm Street yesterday with the parish priest in attendance. She was preceded in death by a husband and a sister, a daughter, a son-in-law, and a grandson. Well, that's the story as my dad told it to me, but he wasn't quite finished. He went on to say, And that's why, son, every year since I was your age, I picked up this old snow globe on Christmas Eve, turned it over, wound it up, and listened to the music. And as I see the snow swirling around the manger, I think of that night my folks and I were able to give an old woman her family back for one last Christmas Eve. And I remember her poem and her words, for they were so true. The good Lord looked into our globe and saw our grief. We look into his manger and see his answer. And that's why Christmas is silent, holy, and calm and bright. For a long time, we sat there in front of the dying fire, saying nothing. I might have got the sniffles if my dad hadn't told me that no one wanted to see a 12-year-old boy doing that. So I finally got up, yawned real big, and headed off to bed. After all, I didn't want to oversleep on Christmas morning. Good night, Dad, I said as I headed toward the bedroom. I turned back and saw him gazing again at that glass ball filled with water in wonder. Good night, Dad, I said to him again. Sleep well. He smiled and waved me on to bed. Good night, Ollie, he said. You sleep well, too.
She leaned with her head by the window, watching evergreen bend in the snow, remembering Christmas the way it had been so many seasons ago, when the children would reach for their stockings. Open the presents they found. The lights on the tree would shine bright in their eyes, reflecting the love all around. But this year there's no one to open the gifts. No reason for trimming the tree. And just as a tear made its way to the floor, she heard voices outside start to sing. Merry Christmas to all who may dwell here. Merry Christmas, if even just one. May the joy of the sea. Surround you, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to all who may dwell here. Merry Christmas, if even just one. May the joy of the season surround you, Merry Christmas. Rich, that was a program we broadcast one year ago now, and that was a book you you read the story. And by the way, you did a good job of reading the story. Isn't that a great story? And that was a that was from a book that the Matt and Donna Williams family brought uh, to our house, your mom and me, and and then their kids and their grandkids stood in the living room and and sang for us, and that was wonderful memory. And you know what? I think you were there too, and then you had your your cell phone. And you made a recording of it. And uh, the, the, the Matt and Donna Wayne, by the way, that was Galen Gott, my son-in-law. My son-in-law who just sang the Merry Christmas song. But anyway, this is the Matt and Donna Williams family uh, as they stood in our living room one year ago and sang their little songs. Here it is. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings of Christmas and a Happy New Year. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, does that bring back memories? Yes, Merry yeah. Christmas, folks. Yeah. Yeah, Merry Christmas, that's for sure. Merry Christmas from Bot Radio Network. Sometime in the near future, we're going to talk about the history of Bot Radio Network because I think this next year now, is this going to be our 55th or our 57th? 55. 55 in years. 17. 55 years and 17. Your mother and I came from San Francisco in 1962, about this time of year, actually. It was in November. 
to start a Christian radio station. It was just the one station at that time. You were a pretty little kid, and uh, not a pretty little kid, but a small child. <laughs> Let's say a small little boy, <laughs> and uh, and your two sisters and your brother, and that's when Bot Radio Network began in Kansas City in 1962. And now you're the president of the network, and it's how many stations, 100 and what? Well, it'll be 115 by the end of the year. 115 stretching from Texas all the way up into Indiana, uh, blanketing uh, Oklahoma and, and uh, Tennessee. and Central Valley of California. And, and, and Kansas and Missouri and Nebraska and all the way up in there to Fort Wayne, Indiana. God's been good, hasn't he? Yes. God has been good because all it really is, folks, is a platform, a platform, an electronic platform to proclaim his word and the good news of Christmas. So uh, we'll be seeing you later. Now, this is Dick Vaught with this chapter of The Complete Story is a public service, and I'll see you later.